Hopefully by now each of you have taken an opportunity to go online and to get one of these uh, spiritual gift assessments, either that or have uh, grabbed one out in the foyer and uh, done that. It's a great activity to do as a, a single person. It's a great activity to do with a friend or with your mate or with your family. And I would strongly suggest you do it. It'll give you some great conversations to kind of think and pray about how is it that God wants to use each one of you to accomplish his mission, his work on the earth. In the past few weeks in this series, we've been unwrapping our spiritual gifts. And we've discovered that every single believer in Jesus Christ is indwelt with God's Holy Spirit when we receive Christ into our lives. And that the Holy Spirit is to exercise one or more of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives and as we seek to serve our Lord. And for what reason do we have these gifts? Well, we have them for the common good, to build up the body of Christ so that we might share the good news of Christ to our world. So it's for the building up of God's kingdom for the common good. And every believer has a different and unique gift mix. Every single one of you, if you have Christ in your life, you're indwelled by the Holy Spirit, have something to offer And this makes every believer essential to God's plan, God's purpose, God's mission as he reaches out into our community through us. Every one of you has a part to play. And it's interesting to me kind of the buzz that's been happening in the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, Talking, well actually in the whole last year, because we kind of started, if you remember, several months ago with a Veritas workshop in which a whole bunch of you showed up for And one of the things, key principles that we learned in Veritas, which simply means truth-telling about the church, to tell the truth about the church, is that we want to be a healthy missional church. And in order to be a healthy missional church, we have to be healthy missional persons in Christ. Each part of the body of Christ must function in a healthy way. And to be healthy simply means to know and to love God more. And to be missional means to serve God's purposes that he's purposed for us. And so we've had this kind of buzz going on in our congregation to be healthy and missional in our lives and in our church life. And then initiating a pastoral search committee, a huge step of faith as we are trusting God's Spirit to lead the person here to be our new pastor and embracing the changes that come during this season of transition. And then also our financial shortfall. Last June, we were in a little bit of in our human state, panic, you would call it. We knew that it was in God's control, but sometimes it's hard for us humans to kind of deal with those realities as we see that we had a shortfall in giving. And your committed sacrificial response and stewardship to your Lord uh, came through, and we ended up in a very miraculous result of ending the year in the black. Um, And that is a good thing. Uh, So... Uh, but, but pulling together, uh, ministering together, trusting our Lord, we accomplished that. And then in this series of sermons, people have been telling me, gee, I've been a Christian for 60 years and I've never heard about this topic before. Why didn't somebody tell me? Or somebody else said something to the effect that uh, people are asking about the gift assessment and want to know what my gift is and I want to know what their gift is. Or one of our young people coming up and said, you know, I want more information about this. This is pretty cool. Or 
um, Anthony's class, which has started and evolved now to meet, and that's during the Sunday school hour in between the services, to come and join, and the Romans class is going to join them also, so it's all in Snelling Hall, and uh, we're going to be looking and discussing and talking more about this than we can do in a sermon context, and so you'll be able to get your questions answered, or at least get your questions expressed, and we'll try to find an answer for you in God's Word. And then I found myself discussing the gift of mercy with somebody in the Fred Meyer parking lot, wondering if they should show mercy to the person that took their parking place, I think. But... And then families doing this assessment together and what a blessing they've found it and that it's given a whole lot of conversation at different occasions for the family. And so I want to encourage you to do that assessment. It might be eye-opening for you. And my thanks to every single one of you, all of you, that have been so willing to learn and to be nudged by God's Holy Spirit, willing to ask, who is it that God made me to be? What's my role in the family of the church? And what do I do for my God and my world? And so we're going to be finishing today to look at uh, some of the specific spiritual gifts. Mine is not talking, evidently. And I want to review some of the gift factoids we've been kind of sharing along the way. But first of all, I need two volunteers. If there's two children or youth that would uh, just raise your hand and don't be shy. This might be your spiritual gift, raising hands. Adults. Anybody? We got one? Where? Okay, come on. Come on up. Great. Thank you. Somebody willing to join him? Oh, come on. Hurry. Somebody come up. Oh, we got one right there. Good. Come on up. Oh, come on up. Yes. Great. And just so everybody gets to know who you are, here she comes, Miss America. Great. Thank you. I'm glad you're both here. Uh, And so give your name real loud so they can hear it. I'm Dwayne. Okay, Dwayne and Sydney. I want you to come over to the table. One of you on one side of the table, and one of you on the other side of the table. And I'll take this out of the way for you. Uh, what you have here is something called Mr. Potato Head, and I would like you to take of, uh, and put him all together, okay? So each of you go, and we're going to be talking a little bit while you're doing that, and then let me know when you get done. So... One of the factoids, or before we get to the factoids, Mr. Potato Head has been willing to help us through the spiritual gifts emphasis in many different ways, including this one here as it's unfolding. And I have a couple cartoons here that also kind of show. There we have uh, Chief. I think we have a case of stolen identity. Uh, One of the problems of being Mr. Potato Head. And then another one. Don't leave me, babe. Look, I can change. And if you men are wondering how to do that, come on Monday nights, 7 o'clock for Men's Life, and we'll show you how to do that. But some of the factoids, oh, they're coming along good, that's great, um, are, first of all, four passages where we find the primary gifts of the Spirit, or gifts of the uh, Holy Spirit listed. Anybody remember what they are? The first one is Romans 12, ever so meek and mild, but now all together, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, very good, and then Ephesians Four and First Peter, four. Very good. So those are the four texts for our scriptures. How are we doing? Are we just about done there. Oh, okay, good. You're coming along there. Okay, another minute. 
Oh, don't worry about his back end. We'll give her another second there to get him all set there. Um, And what are the gifts given for? The common good to build up the body of Christ, community strengthening community, our church's vision. And every Christian has at least one of these gifts. Are you all set? Okay, good. Want to hold it up so they can see? This is how, this is the proper functioning of the body of Christ. Every piece placed just where Duane and Sidney and where the Holy Spirit has placed us, just as he desired. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. Every one of you is in God's purpose, in Christ's body, just where he intended, where he desired for you to be. So none of you are extra baggage. You're here for a purpose and by divine appointment, just like Mr. Potato Head. And so we'll take this away. And you can just set them on the table there. Thank you so much. And so continuing with some factoids about the spiritual gifts is we also learned that the spiritual gifts are... um, are illustrative. They're not exhaustive lists. And that's why there's overlap in the lists, or each of them has some unique gifts that haven't been mentioned by the other lists and so on. They are given as illustrations of the types of the things that the Holy Spirit can use in your life to minister to the body of Christ and to our world. And uh, the Holy Spirit... Um, puts each one just where he desires, as was demonstrated for us. There's three general categories of gifts that we've been talking about. Anybody remember what those are? The first one is equipping, okay, supporting, good, manifesting, good, okay. And we've been looking at some of the different gifts and uh, those categories. And you had uh, last week uh, a handout, and then there's a handout again this week that maybe can help you kind of follow along and feel free to use those um, as we're talking. And then God has given faith covenant all of the gifts necessary for us to do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do in Sumner and for our world. And if you have your list from last week or the list in the bulletin this week, uh, you can use that to kind of follow along. You can grab one of those if you missed out on last week's list back on uh, the information table in the foyer. Let's pray and invite God to be a part of our conversation this morning. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock our Redeemer, for Jesus' sake, amen. One other factoid I want to add this week, and that is that in these four lists, which are what we call didactic teachings, in other words, they're teaching by uh, knowledge and so on, as opposed to praxis, which is how we practice our faith. But in these four didactic teaching lists of the spiritual gifts, There are no gender-specific gifts. Every gift is given for every person, and so it doesn't matter whether you're man or woman, it's how God has placed you the way He desires to place you. And in our tradition, we believe that men and women are equally gifted and can equally have any one of these gifts. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, it says, As the Holy Spirit has determined, He gives the gifts. And in verse 18, as I mentioned before, it confirms the fact that each one of you is placed just where God desired. Just where the Holy Spirit of God desired you. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles today to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, the scripture text we uh, read together. Thank you, Laura. This is a prison epistle, which means that Paul was writing it from prison. He was in prison a lot, and so that's why he probably has the most books authored by him. And Paul lists uh, some examples of gifts in verses 11 and following, and all five of those gifts that he lists there uh, would probably be equipping gifts, if we were to put them in a category. Um, we've already looked at apostle, we've already looked at prophet, we've already looked at teacher, so I want to look at the other two that he has in his list there in Ephesians 4. The first one is evangelist, and this is um, uh, angelistic, uh, is the Greek word, and angelistic uh, is really a term in the Greek that means what? It's a word we often use about this faith that we share. We call it the uh, evangelical, yeah, and, but that's basically just a translation of the Greek word. But what is being evangelical? What's it about? Good news, very good. Yeah, good news or gospel is the word that many of our translations will have. And uh, so the evangelist is a deliverer of the gospel or a carrier of the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that good news is that he died uh, was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, and that we have that promise that he will return again for us someday and gather us all together in God's kingdom. And a person with this gift of evangelist um, has a passion to share the gospel of who Jesus is, to share why Jesus came, to share what Jesus has done for each and every human being, and what Jesus is doing in the world even yet today because he still lives. Now, similar to the gift of giving that we talked about last week, um, all of us are called to bear witness. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So we're all have that responsibility. We're all to bear witness to what we've experienced of God in our lives. If you're ever wondering what to share with people about the good news of Jesus, it's just what Jesus has done for you, how Jesus has ministered to you in your life. And um, just as all of us are called to give, to return a portion of God's blessings to us and what we call a tithe, some have the gift of giving that is a gift of generosity, of just overflowing and outpouring of what God has blessed them with and wanting to give it to other parts of God's ministry to help people. And so it is with evangelism, it's a gift of generous sharing, of overflowing sharing, of the gospel of Christ just so bubbling over in your life, your experience, because what of, God is, of what God is doing that you want to share it with somebody else. But for many of us, just hearing the word evangel or evangelism kind of makes us all kind of cotton mouth, get a little dry. We get a little nervous. We break out in hives. We get cold sweats. We kind of get wobbly knees, and we don't know quite what we're doing. Evangelism is this gift where we just have to share. 
In Mark chapter 1, if you want to keep your finger in Ephesians there and go back to chapter 1 of Mark, there's a story told about a man with leprosy, and it says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand, and he touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. He was healed. He was cured. And Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. A strong warning. He told him, see that you tell no one about this, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer sacrifice that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But it goes on to say, what did he do? He shared with everybody he ran into, all the way from up there around the Sea of Galilee, on his trek back to the temple down in Jerusalem. He's sharing the good news of Jesus. He couldn't contain himself. He just had to tell somebody about what Christ had done for him. That's the gift of evangelism. It just pours out of us. But the Spirit-filled gift of evangelist, she loves it. He eats it up for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They find opportunities to share the gospel with others. I can remember sitting next to this woman. I cannot remember her name for the life of me. She wrote a few books and whatnot on sharing faith and whatnot. But she saw the plane, because she did a lot of speaking and was on the plane a lot, as an excellent opportunity because you're buckled in next to some poor, unsuspecting person, and you have all this time to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I first met her on the plane. I was buckled in next to her, and she started on me. And so I thought I should accept Christ all over again because, it, you know, she really had a passion for sharing this message of Jesus. And we find that this person hangs out with the unchurched, the pre-Christian person, so that they can share the message of Jesus Christ. She's energized in her faith in God and is compelled to share it. And he presents the gospel with clarity and conviction and compassion. And people respond. They see Jesus alive in these people. And they respond to the message. That's the evangelist. Can you think of a modern-day example of somebody who is an evangelist? Okay, so somebody you know well. Anybody else come to mind? Okay, I was going to say that, and you probably have to be over 50 to really uh, uh, to know about that, and probably 10, 15 years from now, nobody's going to know who Billy Graham was. But yeah, of our uh, generation here, and he's coming towards the end of his life, his journey, but he had a passion for people to know Jesus Christ. Now, that's the big picture and so on. The reality is there are several in this congregation that most likely have this gift of evangelism to share Jesus Christ, are excited about what he's doing. Uh, I know another person that I went to college with. He was a year ahead of me, and uh, Dawson McAllister was his name, and he's now an evangelist and whatnot. Um, but I can remember in college, uh, he was going to go out sharing Jesus. I thought, oh, this is great. <laughs> so we go out, and he uh, goes and parks the car, and I'm kind of looking around. Where are we going to tell the faith here? We walked in the place. It was a bar. I was raised Baptist, man. I was never near a bar. And, uh, and here we are were in this bar, and, and he began sharing his faith in Christ with the, the people sitting there. And uh, he had led two men to Christ that night while he was there, while we were observed going in and the board of the college where we kind of signed a waiver that we weren't drink and whatnot. Um, they, somebody had observed us and ratted on us, and uh, 
uh, told that we had gone into this bar and they were going to kick me out of college. And I thought, boy, that was a short career in college. Um, you know, God, where are you? You're supposed to be protecting me. Anyway, Dawson's dad, uh, who was also an evangelist, came in uh, to our aid and told what his son was doing and so on, that he'd raised him that way and whatnot. And uh, so it all was cleared up and I got to finish college, although it took me a while. <laughs> there can be a dark side to this gift of evangelism. Uh, sometimes these people forget that it's the Holy Spirit that does the convicting. It's the Holy Spirit that does the saving. We don't have to save people. We are just simply asked to bear witness to what Jesus has done in our lives, how we have changed. And that's all we need to do. And the Holy Spirit takes it from there. He does the saving. He does the convicting. Uh, Sometimes you can get a little uh, judgmental in their zeal uh, to share Jesus and so on, uh, to perhaps point out their faults and things that they should really change uh, in their lives and so on. And they kind of get the salvation message and uh, the horse and cart there a little bit kittywampus. Sometimes they feel that this is the only gift that really counts, is trying to get people into God's kingdom. So therefore, your other gifts, well, you know, big deal. Uh, I've got the gift, you know, of evangelism. And uh, in Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, it says uh, that, uh, well, let me read the verse to you. His word, God's word, is like a fire shut up in my bones. I tire of holding it in, and indeed, I can't. That was Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah's witness of God's message that he'd given to him. And it was just burning inside of me. He had to share it. He had to let it out and so on. And evangelists love to point people to Jesus, point people to Jesus Christ. The second gift here is the gift of pastors. And Now, you may think uh, first of the man or woman in the pulpit or that has the title, lead pastor of Faith Covenant Church or whatever, but that's not necessarily the case. Literally, the translation is to shepherd, to shepherd. The word pastor means to shepherd. And that kind of colors the attributes that these people have. And first, in Psalms, verse, chapter 23, verses 1 and following, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And later on, it talks about being comforted and guided and led and prodded with the staff and this rod and so on. And that even in the presence of our enemies, we're with God. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because God is with us. The shepherd is there caring for us all the time. We're a lot of times oblivious to it, just like the sheep are. But they depend on that shepherd to keep them safe, keep them away from the bears and the lions of the world. And so we have this shepherd that cares for us, this model, this example. Shepherds literally lay down their lives for their sheep. Very often they would put brush and brambles together or maybe have a kind of a rock wall and so on. And they would sleep across the entrance of this, um, of this fold, uh, sheep fold and so on, laying down their life there to protect those sheep. Take this out of the role. Take this away from the title, like you call me pastor and so on. I I want you to kind of put that aside for the moment and to realize that this person is a gifted person to come alongside of somebody, to be there for somebody, to bring nurture and comfort, and to lead them towards maturity in their faith. Jim Ryder is one of my mentors and is a pastor by profession, but he has also been a pastor, the gift of pastor to me. 
to hear my story, to share with me. When I'm in the pits, he visits me. When I had cancer, he was at the hospital. He's kind of my pastor, the spiritual gift pastor uh, here. The dark side is trying to be all things to all people. And that's a temptation of a lot of these spiritual gifts where we kind of overdo it and don't always boundary it well enough. But we are tempted to take on too much. We can feel responsible for a person's journey and almost want to walk it for, for them. Uh, sometimes we have trouble saying no, and uh, that can be a problem for the pastor, the shepherd. But the pastor, shepherd, comforts, gives caring, gives guidance. The question is, is that you? Is that your gift? Is that something that you find joy in doing? And so that wraps up the gifts in the four gift lists that we talked about. Um, But I want to share a couple of others that are on your assessment, so just so you understand a little bit about them. Um, And these three gifts, I believe, would go in the supporting category, uh, the supporting gifts category. And the first one is craftsmanship. And you might think, craftsmanship? Is that a gift, really? Um, and so I want to read for you in uh, Exodus chapter 31, verses 2 and following. See, I have chosen Bezila, son of Uri, son of Hur, from the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill and ability and knowledge and all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs for work in gold and bronze and silver, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. And you can also read a passage like that in the book of Nehemiah as they were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And they had various people who had the gift of craftsmen to contribute to God's kingdom. And so, um, craftsmanship is a gift of the Spirit that He may have placed in you. In the New Testament, there's an example in the book of Acts, chapter 9, verses 36 and following, that talks about Dorcas, or Tabitha, and um, she had the gift with fabrics. And uh, she died, and Peter healed her miraculously, and so on, but uh, her, her gift that she gave to the body was that in dealing with fabrics. Uh, The craftsman has the gift to build, to make, design, create, which enables ministry to go forward. We have many examples. I understand that it's Oren Williams that did this facade back here and so on, as well as a lot of cabinetry and stuff like that. And many of you have participated in so many ways. On dive days, you come and you do things. But some of you have a special gift, a special knack for finding solutions that you can share with the body of Christ and lead them in. The youth auction is an opportunity where you can share your gifts of woodworking or other crafts and so on, and to put these items on, uh, uh, up for the auction. And so, by the way, that's coming up on March the 14th, and you'll want to be a part of that. Buy your tickets to go. Pass out slips to see if other people might have gifts they would like to share as well. And I would like to see, I have a dream that someday we would have beautiful banners of fabrics and so on for the, the liturgical year, uh, that some of you may have a gift of doing things with fabrics and being creative and seeing possibilities of colors. My wife sees all sorts of possibilities with colors of ties and shirts and stuff that I'm not so good at, so it's good when she dresses me. If you, if you like the ensemble, she told, addressed me this morning. If you don't like the ensemble, I did it myself. <clears throat> Or um, 
baking, uh, making of cookies, or Gretchen has this powerful gift of baking bread, and isn't that a blessing, and so on, and, uh, and that helps us to feed people, and maybe we'll take that beyond our walls as an outreach tool as well, or food making and preparation for uh, St. Francis House, or for meals for people that uh, need meals. Um, and then prayer blankets, and some of you have been involved in making uh, prayer shawls or prayer blankets and so on. Um, and so lending your crafts that way um, is helpful. Or I had a lady in my previous church that used to make pillowcases, and she would just have fabric that she would do for kind of what she thought the person's personality was. But on that pillowcase, it's got right here, it says, covered with prayer. Now, that's something you can lay your head on when you're not feeling so hot, when you're going through tough times, and to realize that you're covered in prayer. And that was her ministry uh, that she did. Um, Quilting. We have quilters in this church, and some of the warmth of our uh, worship places and of our uh, office places and so on, uh, the warmth comes from those beautiful, beautiful quilts. These people love to work with their hands. They love to uh, affect growth in God's kingdom by what they can offer. The dark side of this, oh, we forgot to bring the other Mr. Potato Head out for the dark side. (coughs) Darth Tater. (coughs) Don't come over the dark side. The dark side of this particular gift can be um, a brass plaque mentality. Uh, that we have, want our name on there and publicize. And then once you do it, you can't do anything to change it. I can remember one church, they had beautiful brickwork and so on that was done. And uh, so in my time there, one of the items of discussion was we needed to enlarge and cr- increase our space and we needed things to be more flexible. And brickwork is not very flexible. And so wanted to do something, but no, that was given by so-and-so who's long dead and there's no family around anymore, but it's brass plaque on it that says so-and-so, and we can't touch it, and so on. Um, and so that brass plaque mentality can sometimes uh, interfere with that gift. So do you enjoy creating things uh, for the furtherance of God's kingdom? Then maybe that's your, one of your spiritual gifts. The next one I want to mention is uh, intercession. And intercession is the gift of the Spirit of inspired and persistent and continual prayer on behalf of others. I want to read from Romans uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and following. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words uh, that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And it's that kind of prayer, that kind of intercession, that kind of talking with God on behalf of another person that has been raised to our awareness. Um, So like giving and witnessing, we're all supposed to do giving, we're all supposed to do witnessing, we're all supposed to do praying, have conversation with God. But there are some that have this special gift of conversing with God, of interceding for somebody on their behalf. And so it's kind of like Emeril Lagasse, bam! You know, that that little extra pizzazz in a recipe. Well, it's kind of the spiritual gift of prayer where we uh, have this spirit infilling that calls us to do it. And we step our prayer up to another level on somebody else's behalf. Uh, 
They are kind of uh, miraculous Holy Spirit conduits where the Holy Spirit is able to so reach and to touch a person's heart in a powerful, powerful way. And um, they, when they are praying, you sense that you're in God's presence, that you have been accompanied into God's presence for whatever your need is. They practice Paul's words in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 where it says to pray without ceasing. And they have that gift, that knack for being able to do that uh, with the people that God has raised to their awareness. Uh, that's kind of the job description of it. Um, the dark side is that you can get a holier-than-thou uh, syndrome going where you kind of feel, because of your intimacy with God in prayer and being in God's presence a lot, you can feel like, oh, oh I'm hot stuff, you know, don't touch me. And then the fifth one that I want to share this morning is called creative communication. And that you won't find those words directly in the Scriptures, but you find an abundance of examples of what I'm talking about. So what is this? Uh, think for a moment. How did Jesus teach primarily? Parables. And what are parables? Parables are stories. They're object lessons. They're taking things that the people would be familiar with and drawing kingdom truths from it. It's um, uh, a gift here of, uh, well, Jesus telling the things, stories, the deep truths of God. Um, very little uh, preaching as we know it today or how it's evolved. It's, it's different from that. In Psalm chapter 150, it talks about worshiping God and praising God. And the last few verses go through a litany of instruments. Ironically, all the instruments that the church seems to have trouble with at one time or another uh, are in there, and they don't mention organ once. I don't know. Um, but basically, these are the creative arts uh, which we've found so controversial uh, at times. King David had the gift of creative communication. He had this gift of helping people with worship. It started with his own relationship with God and being out with his sheep and doing songs and so on. He, he wrote the first Israelite uh, hymnal. And uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, but he soothed King Saul with his music. He writes all these songs and these hymns of the church of that time and psalms that we still sing today. Oh, by the way, even though we don't have the original score. And he danced and he led his people in worship. And that was something that David was very good at. You will not typically see your pastor doing this, going north, south, and east, and west was a bunch dancing as I know. And, uh, um, <clears throat> but King David was quite good at it, and that's not my spiritual gift. But there are many ways that God's good news can be communicated besides words. For instance, the visual arts. We see so much and learn so much from our eyes, from our eye gate. Uh, it can be uh, to take us to the throne of God through art. It can give expression to the emotion that we feel in our worship of our God. Uh, they say that a picture is worth uh, a thousand words. Um, I, I love art shows. I love museums. I, I love to see art through the history of art. I love to see contemporary art. I don't like it all, but I'm so amazed at the creativity of people. Some of you here, I found your doodlings in the sermon, uh, in the book racks there and whatnot. And uh, so I know we've got some that have this gift that maybe haven't uncovered this gift uh, yet, but need to do that. 
But think about it. Much of this mirrors our God and how creative He was. He could have made our taste buds just one, just one taste for everything. You know, He could have made our ears just hear one tone. Uh, for some of us, yeah. Um, uh, he could have made the beauty around us all one thing. It could have been all fir trees. And that would have been pretty dull and boring. Great for the lumber industry, but not so good for us. And, you know, but instead, he made a variety of trees. And so we worship God. God is an artisan. And uh, so do you have the gift of artisanship and sculpting or painting or drawing or woodcraft or fabrics or drama? The darker side is that remember that your creative gifts are there to glorify God, to bring glory to God. When I listen to this worship team up here, it's just powerful. It's just powerful as they gift us through something they enjoy, something they feel that they can share and they contribute and help us all do better in our worship of God. Uh, another one is that it mean, it's a means to an end, not the means itself. Uh, that can be a dark side issue. Or our egos can get entangled with our creativity sometimes. And we can find it hard to receive direction or instruction or critiquing or suggestions. So, is that your gift? Well, that's it. We've done all the gifts in the four gift lists. There are many other gifts listed in the Scriptures. In fact, one author says he counted over 150-plus gifts throughout the Scriptures that are spoken of as being God-given and Spirit-directed. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll deal with a much bigger question. So what? Okay, we've got these gifts. So what? So what that each of us has a gift from the Holy Spirit? I want you to go back to Ephesians 4, our text, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Verse 12 and 13, why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Why? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Our vision of community, strengthening community, growth, maturity, that's the goal. That's the reason for the spiritual gifts. And it strikes me that my gifts, my call to this church, my leadership wasn't given to me to do all the work of the church. But rather, why does God use Pastor Bill's gifts here? Well, he uses them to equip, to equip you, to prepare you the people of God, to do the work and ministry of your God. I'm called to equip you, to enable, to help you to understand and then to use and begin to exercise those gifts so that you might then in turn equip others, first with a message of salvation and then with your gifts of leading them into maturity in their faith in God. And it says in verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. And what faith? It's the knowledge of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what God has done for us and how He's extended Himself to us. And in verses 14 through 16, we find that we are to use these gifts in love. During our Lenten series of sermons, we're going to talk about that aspect of it. How is it that we love? How is it that we love enough that we will free ourselves up to use the gifts that God has given to us and be His children and be people that point the way to Jesus? each and every one. And this part we'll explore more 
in the next few weeks. Let's pray. God, thank you again for your word. And Father, I just pray that you will quicken us by your spirit. We now want to give to you a portion of the blessings you've given to us. And we want to give our lives as living sacrifices to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.